From Studio Nowhere, it's time for... Sockdot USA. Welcome to Soccer Talk USA, news and commentary about U.S. and world soccer from the American perspective. I'm your host, Mark Zeter. You can find out more about me and about the show at SoccerTalkUSA.com. This is our premiere episode. My plan is to broadcast weekly during the Major League Soccer season, and perhaps less, less often at other times during the year, but we'll see how it goes. If it works out, I will have a new podcast up every Monday morning. This broadcast is for the week of September 18th, 2005. Here's what I have planned for today's show. I'm going to cover some of the most recent news and go over the results of this past weekend's MLS matches. I'm sure you all want to find out about that stuff if you haven't paid attention this weekend. I'm going to introduce myself and explain why I wanted to do a soccer podcast. I'm going to take a look at the MLS playoff picture. And uh, I'm going to do some analysis and commentary on the U.S. national team and their World Cup qualifying run. And if we have time, we'll squeeze a few other things in there, too. Yeah, the show will run less than an hour and should get you caught up on all things in Major League Soccer and a few other things and give you some things to think about for the upcoming week. All right, it's now time for News of the Week. And we have a lot of Major League, major league Soccer action this weekend. And a lot of great games, actually. Um, I was a bit disappointed with MLS's uh, scheduling this weekend. Um, they scheduled a whole lot of the stuff to all happen at the same time. And three of the games were at one time, and then the other two were at the another time. And it was kind of frustrating, because I try to watch all the games. And it's hard to watch three or four soccer games at once. <laughs> I've got my TV set up so I can watch two games at once, but uh, then I have to switch channels to, to, to watch some of the other ones. And uh, I find it always kind of annoying when they uh, announce the uh, scores of the other games when you're watching one game. So it's not like I can just tape one game, TiVo it, and watch it later because I already know the score. So it's really annoying. But uh, let's kind of go over some of the results if you didn't hear. Um, Chicago defeated the Columbus Crew in a 2-1 to one game, which was a pretty good game. Um, Chicago started off uh, pretty well. Crew came back in. Tied it, tied it up, and and uh, late in the game, and then just a few minutes later, Chris Rolf got his second goal of the game, and uh, that was that was that was pretty much it was fairly routine game. I wasn't uh, super excited about it. Um, pretty much the same goes for the DC United uh, Colorado game, uh, which DC won two zero on goals from Christian Gomez and Jaime Moreno. Um, it seemed like a pretty routine kind of a kind of a game. Actually, of all the games this weekend, I thought DC looked the like one of the strongest teams. Um, they just did their business and uh, didn't really see Colorado having that much of an opportunity. I mean, uh, they did some stuff, but uh, wasn't like they had uh, a whole lot of stuff going on. So, I'm not sure what that means, but I think it means that DC's one of the better teams, even though it doesn't necessarily look like it. Um, the LA Wizards game was an interesting one because uh, the Galaxy would uh, qualify for a playoff spot if they won, and uh, because MLSnet.com had the incorrect starting time for the LA game, I missed the first half hour of that game, and uh, when I tuned in, they were already leading 1-0, and then they scored. 
and uh, Hercules Gomez scored in the 36th minute, which is about the time that I started watching. And uh, by that point, it looked like it was, I mean, it didn't even look like Kansas City Wizard even showing up. I don't know what's been going on with them. They've lost their last couple games and just don't seem to be, I mean, their key thing used to always be they had a great defense, and they've just been giving up goals and losing 1-0 games and just just not playing very well. And uh, they just, they even in this game, I was watching it, and uh, they never looked like they were really even trying. They never looked like they were working really hard or eager to get a goal or anything. It was kind of lame. And then finally, uh, just a, less than 10 minutes left, they finally scored, and uh, the Galaxy had uh, Steve Cronin in goal instead of Kevin Hartman. I never did hear exactly why that was, but interesting decision. Apparently it was a coach's decision of some kind. Uh, probably just to give Cronin some experience or something, but it was an interesting choice to, to do it for this game. But... Um, I thought he kind of messed up on the first on this goal because the ball just literally bounced over his head and into the goal. It, uh, I mean, it was kind of one of those fluky things. You could say, well, it's not necessarily 100% his fault, but I mean, the defense always bears a burden on any kind of a goal conceded. But at the same time, it wasn't really great play. And uh, I'm a big San Jose fan, so I was kind of Cronin used to be a San Jose player, although I never actually saw him play. But uh, I was kind of curious to see him and. Uh, I've been waiting for him for years to, to to play for San Jose, and I never ever seen him play. And then next thing I know, he's traded to LA. This, he finally gets his start. Wasn't that impressed, um, but uh, that goal seemed to finally spur a little bit of energy into KC, and they finally started to play a little bit, and uh, it paid off. They actually scored another goal. Josh Wolf got uh, got off a got a got hold of a rebound and headed it in and uh it hit the uh, there was a shot that hit the the post and bounced out and he just headed it in and uh they tied it up 2-2 and it was a great result for Kansas, for for Kansas City to to get that point problem is the east is so tight right now that uh that still leaves them uh, in fourth place that tie so uh they really needed the three points so i don't know what they were doing just sitting out there letting la dominate the game but for some reason they just uh just haven't looked too sharp lately so we'll see how they do uh coming down the stretch but to me one of the wizards is kind of a questionable team right now sometimes they play really good and sometimes they uh don't really show up so we'll keep an eye on them and see how they do in the rest of the season then we come to one of the most exciting games of the weekend and this was the metro stars revolution game and of course the two teams have a lot of history you all know about that i'm sure but uh they're so adjacent to each other um but this particular game was very important because uh well the revolution could get a playoff spot if they won uh, for the Metro Stars, they're just really at a point where they just need three points on every game. I mean, a tie is, is as good as a loss for them. They just are so far. They're just outside of the playoff picture. I don't really think they can catch up, but I'd like to see them do it because I think they're they're a good team. But the way the East is right now, it just is kind of an unfair playoff picture, that the, way the, the way the MLS does the playoffs. So one good team in the East is definitely going to miss the playoffs, and that's kind of sad, because I actually like the, the Metro Stars a lot. Um, they just don't 
they're just inconsistent. I think that's the biggest problem. It's they've got some great talent, some great individual people, um, some great young people. Bradley's just done an amazing job, Coach Bradley, uh, to to bring in some some fantastic young people that um, have a lot of talent and a lot of skill. I mean, you know, um, and, and uh, it's just it's just a little frustrating that uh, they can't seem to actually you know get any kind of consistent rhythm get going and they make silly mistakes kind of like a Chivas USA in some ways which isn't as bad as their record shows the the Metro Stars are the last few years they used to be a really bad team but the last few years they've actually been a pretty good team but their record isn't as good as the team shows and uh, that's just been a problem but if you didn't watch this game you you, you gotta go find a, a replay of it uh, it should if you get a satellite package or, or or something it should be replaying on some of the channels because this is uh, an amazing game I mean it just kept swinging in all directions I mean Metros needed to win they scored an early goal seven minutes in by Mike McGee um, uh, Charlie Joseph got a header and tied it up in the 29th minute uh, York IF is one of my favorite players <laughs> uh, scored a goal in the second half early in the second half of the 51st minute Amado Guevara um, scored a goal in the 59th minute to give Metro's a 3-1 lead. Now you're thinking, okay, the momentum's really shifting to to uh, New York, and it's all going to go to the Metro Stars' way. And then what happens? Shalry Joseph scores his second goal, and then Clint Dempsey adds one to tie it up. So in the 61st and 71st minute, two more goals. Then Taylor Twelman, who you know he's been playing the whole game, but hadn't he'd had a few chances, but hadn't uh, finished anything. All of a sudden, he finally finishes. And uh, he had assisted on one of the other goals to Clint Dempsey's goal. And he scores in the 74th, 74th minute. And now, all of a sudden, it's 4-3 in favor of the Revolution. And you're thinking, oh, my word, you know, they've got the game now. And uh, then, all of a sudden, Mike McGee scores his second. Remember, we haven't heard about him since the seventh minute. He scores in the 76th minute. Now it's tied up. And then who finishes it off? Yuri Zharkaev, his ninth goal of the season in the 86th minute, assisted by Amado Guevara, and uh, you've got this wonderful 5-4 victory by the Metro Stars, and I mean, what a game! I mean, the Metro Stars are not, they don't usually score that many goals, and the Revolution, it's not too surprising, but Revolution have been one of these teams that have scored a lot of late goals this season. This time they finally got burned by it. Uh, probably justice there. Um, just a, just a fun game to watch, though, from a fan's perspective. I mean, there was a couple goals, like Yuri Zharkaev's goal, his last goal, was probably due to some bad goalkeeping. Uh, it was a real tight angle. Amazing that he even got the shot into the goal. It was between the post and the keeper, and uh, Matt Reese like fell into the goal holding the ball <laughs> I mean the ball was moving into the goal so he was you know diving to kind of stop it but the momentum of the ball and his own body and everything he just kind of you know it ended up in the back of the goal and and if he had punched it or done something else I think it would have you know he could have stopped that but for some reason it caught him by surprise I think he was expecting a cross and it just went you know he took a Yuri took a shot and uh but hey, you know, sometimes it's better be good than, you know, lucky than good, as they say. And and uh, anyway, it was a great result for the Metro Stars. Real big boost for them. Uh, not that much of a blow for the Revolution. I mean, yeah, they gave up five goals. That's probably not so good. Um, need to work on that a bit. Um, I'm sure Steve Nichol will be aghast about that because he's a <laughs> defender. But uh, 
eh, well, they scored four. That's not, you know, usually when you score four goals, you expect to win. It's not, you know, but just a fun game from a fan's perspective. And, uh, you know, great stuff. Um, then we had Chivas USA at home uh, hosting the San Jose Earthquakes, which is my team. And uh, this was an interesting game. I thought San Jose made a big mistake. They came out with very little pressure. Um, just seemed to be content to, to go to 0-0 at the half like they did last week. Um, at least last week they were pressuring a lot more. And uh, this week they just seemed to be very comfortable. Uh, I think a draw would have suited them just fine. You know, didn't really need the three points. They've already qualified for the playoffs. They're leading by, you know, a landslide. You know, it's not essential, um, you know, to, to get the three points. But, you know, if they can get it, they'll take it. But, um, and they just, they didn't really... They weren't really doing their, and I think that's one of the things that San Jose does is if they don't do their 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 game, if they don't play their high pressure style of play, uh, it comes back to haunt them. They they don't play well overall, and that's kind of what happened in this one. They're playing against a much weaker team. I'm not saying they should have dominated. I don't think that the Quakes. Uh, well, they do sometimes do that if they're playing really well. They can really dominate, but generally they're just one of these teams that just they're just always in the game, no matter. You know whether it's the first minute or the 89th minute, they're in the game and and um, they can do stuff, and that makes them a very hard opponent to defeat. Um, but uh, from a fan's perspective, it's not like they're going to have you know five goal lead or anything like that because that's just not the way that they usually do stuff. Um, but in this game, they just seemed to they weren't really trying that hard. Um, in the second half, uh, Ramir, uh, Roman Ramirez uh, scored a great free kick, fantastic free kick, uh, in the 52nd minute to put uh, Chivas up ahead. And uh, I remember when I was watching uh, Pat Onstadt, the goalkeeper for San Jose, set up the wall, and he was, you know, specifically saying four people. And uh, and I was thinking, you know, who do they have on Chivas who can score on a free kick? I don't think they've scored on a free kick all season. I can't remember one. Maybe they have. But I'm sitting here going, you know, why is he so worried about this four-person wall? And then he put it way in the upper right corner, in the upper corner. And, uh, I mean, it went over the wall. And then Pat was diving for it, and he didn't even get near it. And it was just a great goal. And I was like, wow, that's really impressive. But, unfortunately, it's only the second goal of the season. So he hasn't really done that much this season. So, uh but I was I was actually kind of glad that they had scored because it kind of provoked San Jose to like start playing, and uh, yeah, they were doing they were doing some nice passing and stuff. But it was sort of like the kind of passing and stuff you do when you're like winning three zero or something. It wasn't you know real attacking kind of kind of kind of stuff where you're just really desperate to get that goal. And uh, they started really pressing in the second half, and and uh, you know later in the second half, and and. Uh, for a while, I started as as the game started getting towards the end. I started thinking, you know, maybe this is they're just not going to be able to do it. This is a little freaky that they're going to get, you know, beaten by the worst team in the league, the best team in the league, get beaten by the worst team. Like, a little strange. But Denny uh, Caliph came up with a header and scored, and uh, he got uh, kicked in the head by uh, Ezra Hendrickson when he was diving for the header, and was actually unconscious for a moment or so there. It looked like and. Uh, and I don't think he even he didn't even apparently didn't even realize he'd scored until like after they'd gotten him gotten him up and were you know treating him several minutes later and he all of a sudden is looking around in bewilderment and starts grinning because he realized he'd scored a goal he didn't even realize that it happened so great great job for I mean that's great for Danny I felt good that he he's he's just a 
a neat defender to have, and uh, it was good that he scored. Um, and then uh, finally, San Jose just kept kept working at, kept pressuring. There was no panic. There was just this calmness. They just kept doing the same things, and sure enough, they they had a chance, broke through, and uh, Brian Ching and Mullen on the sides. Uh, Got the ball in on a cross, and uh, Moreno put it in. Alejandro Moreno put it in. Uh, uh, real easy header. He was basically standing unmarked in the box <laughs> in, the, in, in injury time. That scores the game winner. San Jose now has 53 points. That's a team record, club record, uh, for a number of points in a season. Their best season ever was the 2003 season where they had 51 points when they finished the season. And now they've got 53, and there's still, what, five games left for them? So this is just an incredible season for San Jose. The, and uh, and then on Sunday we had uh, Dallas hosting uh, Real, and uh, some people thought this might be kind of a blowout, but uh, I didn't really think so because Dallas just really hasn't been playing well. And then, of course, when I tuned into the ESPN broadcast, I saw that, uh, you know, Carlos Ruiz is out because he's got a hamstring, hamstring, hamstring strain. And uh, and uh, I'd already heard earlier in the week that Eddie Johnson uh, broke his uh, foot bone again. And so he's out for four to six weeks, and which probably means longer than that because he's out a long time after that first one because he's had this problem earlier this season. That's why he hasn't been playing too much, and uh, which is not good news for Dallas. And uh, so then I was kind of thinking, well, I don't know. This game could go either either direction. I mean, Real really needs a win, but, you know, Real just, they suck. <laughs> They're just not a very good team. I mean, they they, they, they have some, they, I think they play better than Chivas in some ways because they, um, but they play like, they play like, uh, there's just a lot of youth there. I just kind of sense there's just some immaturity, and uh, I think they'll be a good team eventually. I just I think they've got some good basics, and and uh, but they're just they're just men against boys, you know, when they play against these other teams, and uh, it's just hard for them to to come up with a lot. But uh, game basically, uh, Robert Roberto Mino uh, Mina started for for Dallas, and he scored twice, uh, once in the 17th minute, once in the 52nd minute, and two minutes later, RSL Jamie Watson, who I thought was amazing, uh, he scored the 54 minutes, 54th minute to give uh, RSL a uh, goal. So at least they didn't uh, get shut out. So it finished 2-1 to Dallas. Dallas finally gets their first win of the season. And uh, they also qualify for the playoffs, along with Los Angeles, who kind of squeaks in backwards because uh, Real got beaten again. And uh, so, you know, L.A. could have been in the playoffs yesterday on Saturday, but uh, had to wait till Sunday and let Dallas do the work for them because L.A. couldn't beat uh, Kansas City, even though with the two-goal lead at the half. So that's pretty much what the... What how the games went. Um, I thought Dallas was had to work really hard for that Real Salt Lake win, and uh, I, you know, I don't think Dallas is that good. I, I think they're gonna, with all the publicity they had this year of being the best team and and uh, talent wise, they've got so much talent and etc. I have a feeling unless they just put together start playing some really good soccer. Um, 
they really weren't playing very good soccer. I mean, they really looked like they were struggling against Real, and, and uh, Real's not that good of a team. And it just, I don't think Dallas is going to go that far in the playoffs, put it that way. I mean, obviously they're going to make it, but I mean, well, they obviously qualified now, but um, I just don't see them going that far. We'll see. You know, anything can happen in the playoffs. That's the key thing with, with the playoffs, but uh, we'll see how it goes. I'm not too confident that they're going to do that well, but we'll see. In other news this week, there's some uh, interesting... Well, we had the trade deadline. MLS trade deadline was earlier this week, and uh, not that much happened. I mean, there was kind of a flurry of a lot of small-time players nobody's ever heard of that uh, I don't think is that big of a deal. Um, But the big moves was was Johan Karofsky going from L.A. to Colorado, which is probably about time. And the nice thing there is they gave... uh, Basically, Karofsky's spot on the team <laughs> got uh, went to uh, Hercules Gomez, who more than deserves it. Uh, not a huge Karofsky fan. I thought that he's kind of one of those big-name players that never really delivers. I mean, he, he's had a few good, you know, a few good goals, a few good things, both in the league and for the USA national team. But And even overseas where he played, he's never really done anything. He's kind of got all this potential. He's never lived up to it, and, and it's kind of kind of sad. Um, so not really sure what's going to happen with him, but and I'm not sure what Colorado's going to do with him. But you know he doesn't really seem to fit their style. But uh, and of course uh, he played the 90 minutes for Colorado's game and didn't really do much. So not super excited about that. And I guess the other news: Saragossa is back to is is is, is going back to LA. So. Eh, and let's see, there's some other interesting things. I guess uh, there's questions over whether Hans Westerhoff, the coach of Chivas USA, will stay their coach for next year. He's he's basically under contract to the owners of Chivas, and they have him doing different roles on all their different teams and different things, and so he kind of came in as a favor to, to take over this team, the Chivas USA franchise, but whether or not he's the long-term solution, I don't know. Um, he doesn't know MLS, so I don't know if that's a big problem or not, but they're kind of not really MLS anyway because they're kind of doing their own thing, so I don't know if it makes that much of a difference who their coach is. They're, but we'll have to see. Um, there's some interesting questions there. The big thing that's interesting to me is I'm hearing rumors that uh, Ziggy Schmidt, the former L.A. coach, current under-20s coach, uh, might be getting the job in Columbus. Apparently there's a lot of leanings that direction, which would mean that Robert uh, Robert Zierha is, is, is not going to be the, the coach there anymore. The, he's the interim coach now, but uh, he's done so well. A lot of people thought that he would, would get the job, but... Uh, not even though I'm a big uh, Wazija fan, I like him and I think he's he's a he's a good player and a good person. Um, I'm actually not that disappointed or surprised. I think that uh, Columbus is in a situation. I mean, they've been promoting coaches from within, and I think they kind of need kind of a shock. You know, they need a coach that's going to come in and turn everything upside down, and and just you know an outsider that's going to come in and just start over, kind of just clean house and. And uh, I don't know if that Warzio would really be the answer for that because he's got a relationship with these players. He knows everybody. He's, you know, I'd like to see him as a coach somewhere in MLS. You know, maybe he could take over Chivas. But, <laughs> but I, um, I, you know, I'm not sure that Columbus is necessarily, if he's the ideal coach for Columbus, just simply because 
they keep him, it's just sort of, you know, same old, same old. It's it's not that different, much different from what they've been doing. And I think they're really in a, uh, they're a team that really has a lot of potential. They've got everything. They've got their own stadium. They've got all this stuff that a team like, say, San Jose would just kill for. And, uh, you know, they've got great fans. They've got, you know, all kinds of stuff. And yet they're struggling, you know, for, for, for uh, and they got some great talent. And, and they're struggling. And... It's just kind of weird, so I'm thinking that uh, that I, I you know uh, they they just need an overhaul. They need somebody to come in new. Uh, whether Ziggy's the right one, I, I don't know. He is definitely a good coach, and he's somebody that you know um, that could probably do a good job. I think he could come in and and, and start a new program there. Um, and he's he's proven that he's you know can be successful in this in this league. So perhaps that's the answer. Uh, uh, I'm not sure if his personality and style and everything all that would necessarily is quite the 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 Columbus crew uh mentality they're that hard working team that sort of thing but then maybe they they want to get rid of that maybe they want a new image maybe they want to you know reinvent themselves they need to do something so that'll be an interesting uh point there too so by now you may have been kind of wondering uh you know who the heck am i and why am I talking to you about soccer? And what do I know about soccer? And all that kind of stuff. And I thought I'd take a chance. This is my uh, the premiere broadcast of this show. And I'd take a little bit of time and tell you a little bit about myself. And, uh, you know, in the future I won't bother with a lot of this. I'll just leave this as an archive. And if somebody wants to find out about who I am or whatever, you know, I'll have some information on the website probably. And I'll, and I'll keep this as an archive that they can download you know, listen to it. <laughs> but uh, meantime, I'll tell you a little bit about briefly about myself. Um, I'm actually I'm American. I was born in Illinois. Uh, lived all over the country. Lived in Midwest, uh, out west California, Oregon. I currently live in Oregon. Um, I but I when I was three years old, uh, my mom was a missionary, and we were missionaries in uh, Dakar, Senegal, in West Africa. And uh, I was three years old. And over there, it's a it's a country that's uh, was colonized by the French, and uh, soccer's the game. And uh, so basically, from about the time I could walk, I was I was kicking a soccer ball around, and uh, just fell in love with the game. And I never really played f- formally. I mean, I never really was on a team. I always played sort of a street soccer kind of thing. Like basically, in every street corner, there'd be a group of kids, and it's like, hey. We got enough for a team here. Let's play a game, and we'd split ourselves up and and play a game. And we played with, uh, I mean, I played with a kick with a tin can as a soccer ball. I played with a tennis ball as a soccer ball. A rolled up sock. I mean, I played with just about anything. I mean, we're, most of the time it was on sand or dirt because we didn't have grass in, in Africa, and uh, it, it, we played on asphalt a lot of times. So um, I watch a lot of these people playing on grass in the states and learning how to do slide tackles and stuff like that. I never really did a lot of slide tackles. I mean, when we played on sand. Some of the times I did, but some of the sand was sand that had it was more like dirt. It had rocks and stuff in it, so you didn't really want to do a lot of slide tackling there either. And you certainly don't want to do slide tackling on asphalt. Let me tell you. Uh, <laughs> so I learned really good how to avoid tackles. So I would say probably even to this day, even though I'm way past my prime in terms of soccer. Um, you probably have a hard time tackling me because I would jump out of the way, and uh, because you fall down on asphalt, it hurts a lot. <laughs> and for some reason, I don't know why, but as a little kid, I hated pain, and uh, 
falling down on asphalt was not something I wanted to do. So I learned how to avoid a lot of that. So uh, anyway, this has influenced my, my view of soccer in a lot of ways because uh, because I didn't have a lot of that formal training. Uh, a lot of the stuff I hear these analysts, analysts talk about on TV or, or shows where they're all into, you know, the formation and the structure and the shape of the team and blah, 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 and this position and that position. I don't really... I don't really care about any of that. It, that's irrelevant to me. I mean, it's I understand it from a logical point of view in certain aspects, and I've learned a lot about the game in, in, in the last, you know, recent years watching a lot of soccer, and so I understand there's, you know, there's certain things about that that are important, and, and uh, there's some good there. But in many ways, uh, I don't really care a lot about that kind of stuff. Uh, my main thing is... is uh, uh, I'm into more of the creative side of things, and I remember when I uh, came to the States one time, I actually did play uh, at, at a school on a team, and they were like, you know, what position do you play? And I'm like, this was eighth grade, and I played on a team, and, and uh, didn't have very good experience. But um, they, uh, you know, like, what position do you play? And I'm like, uh, whatever position you need. I mean, I played everything from, you know, left back, right back, defenders, you know, goalkeeper, forward. Uh, my normal position was probably right winger, was, was what I finally came up with, because that was kind of my preferred position. Um, and because uh, I was I was in, in fairly quick and would run up and down the sides a lot and and uh, put in good crosses and, and but I would I, but I I really didn't I hated the idea of having to stick to one position I liked to move around I just wanted the ball I just wanted that was my main thing and uh, that's probably part of the reason I didn't have a great ex- experience when I played on the formal team because we had a coach well the coach is a whole different story but because uh, he was a real idiot but. Um, he thought winning was the only thing to do, and and uh, and uh, didn't. Uh, well, anyway, but <laughs> my main point was that uh, you know I, I I don't think I I didn't I didn't certainly didn't thrive under the the uh, the pressure of that whole atmosphere of of having to f- to fit into certain positions and plans. I probably could have learned that if I'd had a better coach who could have seen who I was and and then led me the right direction. But he wasn't interested in that. It was sort of like. You know, oh, Mark doesn't understand. You know, Mark's doing his own thing or whatever. Let's just, you know, so bench him and not play him. And so I think I played like 20 minutes the whole season. I mean, it was really lame. Um, but there was just there was a lot of foreign things for me. It was just such a foreign experience from what I'd been used to from 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 playing street soccer to all of a sudden having to play on grass, having to wear you know shoes with cleats and shorts. And of course, this was in Oregon, so I was playing in the rain. <laughs> you know, barely seen rain, and uh, so it was just a lot of new, just kind of an overwhelming experience, I did not play very well, or, or perform very well, and then I was playing against kids who were trying to kill me, you know, they'd knock you down and kick you and stuff, and I was used to playing street soccer, where you're playing with your friends and stuff, and you don't kick your friends and stuff, It's you're not trying to hurt each other, you're trying to, you know, score goals and stuff, and so, not a great experience for me, but it has certainly influenced the way that I view soccer. And uh, other important thing about me that you probably should know is I don't watch any other sports. Um, I kind of like a little bit of golf, a little bit of tennis, um, but very, very little. I mean, I watch Tiger Woods occasionally when he's, you know, in, in a major and in contending or something. I'll, I'll, I might tune in. Um, but uh, I, I certainly don't pay any attention at all to the other American sports, you know, uh, baseball, basketball, uh American football, hockey, or anything like that. I don't, and so actually, I am so ignorant on those sports that uh, whenever I'm watching a soccer broadcast in America and they use 
sports metaphors of other sports to try to explain something that completely bewilders me because I understand soccer. I don't understand those other sports. So to try to explain soccer to me by using references of other sports to me is just stupid and uh, incomprehensible. And uh, so sometimes I get kind of irritated at uh, Rob Stone or some of these other ESPN announcers who are trying to go, well, it's just like in basketball when you're doing a three-point throw or something. And what are, I'm going, what are you talking about? I have no idea. It doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> but uh, that also influences my uh, my ability to uh, understand the game, my, my viewpoint. And uh, I think it also influences the way that I'm planning on doing this show because I want this show. I've never watched regular sports analysis and stuff like that, so um, there's probably things I'm going to do wrong or incorrect or whatever. And I'm hoping that you, as you know, listeners, if you like this show, you can send me responses and feedback and let me know what I'm doing wrong or right, and uh, and tell me uh, what you'd like to hear, what you'd like to hear me talk about, you know. And um, but basically, uh, since I don't know what normal, you know sports talk things talk about um this is a new experience for me fact is um i used to be very anti other sports and so i purposely as growing up um i uh avoided all these other sports and i've never i've never watched sports center in my life i've never watched a sports broadcast i mean for me every time this if it mentions sports i change the channel if it's a newspaper which i don't really read newspapers anyway but if i did have a newspaper and there's a sports section I throw that away. I mean, I never even look at it. And I've just always been that way. I've just never had any interest or, or into and I used to be very anti-sports. And the truth is, I don't really consider soccer a sport. To me, growing up, just my view of soccer is soccer is an art form. Soccer is not a sport. It's an art form. It's 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 like, like music uh, um, or, or a painting or something like that. It's just, it's, it's something that's just so beautiful to watch. And uh, I'm sure I, I've, I've grown and learned over the last few years, and I've kind of learned to understand that uh, some of these other sports, that uh, there's a lot of beauty there too. And so I've kind of lost a lot of my negative attitude that I used to have against other uh, sports. But at the same time, even though the, even though I've gotten now so that, you know, I, I don't necessarily understand those on a fundamental level, but at least I understand, you know, the concepts behind them. Um, I, I, at least uh, now with soccer, um, that's my true love. That's, that's really where I am. And so uh, for me, that's an important, you know, part of, of, uh, uh, well, anyway, uh, getting lost, losing my train of thought. Um, but, what I am now is I'm just a soccer fan. Uh, I'm just somebody that uh, I get all the soccer channels. I get Fox, uh, Fox Soccer Channel and Gold TV and the Direct Kick Soccer Package for MLS, and I get to watch a lot of European soccer. I probably watch you know ten or twenty games on weekends. It depends on you know what time of year it is and what season and how many games are scheduled and such. But I watch I watch a lot of soccer. <laughs> uh, some of it I have TiVos. I have lots of TiVos, and I record a lot of it. And some of it I watch fast forward, and some of it I skip. And and it depends on what how much time I've got and what's going on. And sometimes I watch two games at once, like I did this weekend with all the MLS action that was going on. But uh, or even three or four games at once. But uh, so sometimes I you know I'm able to miss certain things. But generally I try to try to keep up with all the different all the different uh, leagues. And uh, primarily I'm interested in the English Premier League and the, and the MLS. Uh, I find the foreign leagues, even though I really like their level of play and I like a lot of things about it, um, I tend to to find I relate more to the to the US league I relate more to to the way that uh, the the US players I feel like I know them I feel like they're people that I can you know go down to the to the uh, 
stadium and see them and things like that. And uh, so even though I don't mind, you know, and I really enjoy some of the levels of play that we have in, in some of the other leagues, I think the, le the level of play is, is very high in Major League Soccer. Um, I'd like to see it get, get higher and faster and better. I'd love to see us compete, uh, you know, at a high level against clubs from other countries, um, not in a lame... Um, you know, MLS select kind of thing where we send over a bunch of guys who've never played together, you know, uh, 24 hours after they've played and send them off, uh, you know, a whole weekend's worth of games and we send them off to Real Madrid and, and face one of the top teams in the world. Um, you know, that that's just crazy. That's just, that's not what I'm interested in. I'd much rather see a, a great team like, uh, you know, San Jose Earthquakes and, 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 and send them over to, to, to play against a, a top you know, level team in England or, or Spain or Italy or something that Germany that that would be interesting to me. See how we would we would fare in a tournament, you know, against some of those teams. I think we'd do better than most people would think. But uh, but you need a team that's that's cohesive and, and plays together and it's a, you know it's an actual team. And uh, I think someone like San Jose I think would would do pretty well in that kind of a situation. But you need to do it when they're rested and not you know right after they've been playing. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the weekend, you know, a few days before or whatever, you know, give them a, a week's rest and make sure they're, you know, acclimated and ready to play and all that kind of thing, you know. But um, but anyway, I'm, I, I'm a big MLS fan. I'm a big, big believer in American soccer, and uh, I wanted this show to be something about um, talking about soccer. We'll talk about world soccer. We'll talk about U.S. soccer. We'll talk about all sorts of things, but do it from the perspective of the American. I'm really interested in, in discussing things like, you know, why Americans are not into soccer, and, and, and that's just such a fascinating uh, um sociological thing for me that, that Americans are not into soccer. I'd like to talk, discuss that and figure out, you know, what exactly is going on there. And I'd love to get your feedback of what your perspectives are. And, uh, that's what this show is going to be a lot to be about is, is people sending me emails and, and, uh, letting me know, you know, what you want to hear me talk about, what you'd like to, you know, if you have questions, if you'd have answers, I'm open to anything, you know, I'm certainly no, you know, expert or anything. I'm basically just a soccer fan who wants to talk about soccer. And uh, uh, I recently, I used to be, uh, be, I'm very biased towards the San Jose Earthquakes because I was a season ticket holder there, lived for a number of years in, Cal in Northern California. And I've recently <laughs> moved to Oregon and I'm now going through San Jose Earthquakes drought because uh, I can only watch their games on TV. And uh, although I did fly back for a couple games and I probably will do that for the playoffs too, but uh, at least, uh, as of right now, I am, um, you know, a little bit stranded because I don't have a Major League Soccer team near me, but I'm still, you know, a, a big Earthquakes fan, and, and I'm just delighted with their play of the season and how well they're doing because it's really exciting, and I want to see them go all the way to the MLS Cup and win the whole thing again for the third time, which would be really cool. And, of course, I'll let you in on a little secret. If you look back at the past... They always win in odd years, and uh, 2001 and 2003, and this is 2005. So I think it's time, you know? They're, it's destiny. They, they win the odd years. So uh, <laughs> we'll cross our fingers and, and hope that that works out. But uh, that is the, uh, the idea here. So um, anyway, let's take a quick look at some other topics that I wanted to get into um, this first show. Um, we'll talk some more on some other kinds of things. Um, 
but we'll look at the MLS playoff picture. Let's take a look at that. And uh, basically, two, two, two more teams were added to the playoff picture. Dallas and L.A. both qualified today, Sunday, um, the 18th and uh, September 2005. And that's... You know, th that was no big surprise. <laughs> the Western Conference, except for San Jose, is pretty weak. Um, I don't really see... Uh, I, I really see San Jose as, as, as winning the, the Western division. I mean, it, it is a little scary. Once you get to the playoffs, anything can happen. But when San Jose is so far ahead, it's you have a hard time imagining. I mean, L.A. cannot catch San Jose. L.A. only has, what, four games left. And uh, they cannot catch San Jose. There's not enough points left. They only have 12 points left. They're 14 points behind. They cannot catch San Jose. Dallas is the only team that potentially could catch San Jose. Um, I kind of don't really think that that's going to happen because Dallas is just not playing very well. Um, so it, the big question, the big you know interesting thing is going to be, is L.A. going to finish second and Dallas third, or is Dallas going to finish second and L.A. third? Because whichever way that goes, that's the team that will get home field advantage. And you'd have to kind of lean a little bit towards L.A. in that regard, because L.A. really does do much better when they have home field advantage. So basically, if L.A. finishes second, I would imagine we'd end up with a San Jose-L.A. Uh, semifinal or, or conference final, which would be just fantastic. And uh, if... Uh, if if Dallas um, can win, you know theirs. Well, LA can't win on the road very much, so they finally won once this year. Uh, big deal, once in one year, you know. So they've already won their one time for the year. So I would say that Dallas would emerge from that. So that's really what it's going to depend between those two teams, and that's going to be an interesting race to watch. And the other interesting race would be to see just how many points San Jose can accumulate by the season. I, I'm thinking they could they could hit 60, you know, three more wins and and uh, and a tie, and they're they're there. So. Uh, you know, I, I think they they are two or three more, yeah, two more, two wins. They've got 53 points, so there's seven points from from 60. So they've got five games left. I think they wouldn't have much of a hard time getting to 60, but we'll see. They do have some some tough opponents coming up, and uh, um, schedule coming up, of course, is uh, um, they face uh, Chicago on Wednesday night, this coming Wednesday, and that should be a tough match. I'm really interested in that one because. Uh, San Jose, uh, you know, they sometimes take the foot off the pedal slightly. They claim they're not going to. They don't want to, but there's just a different... You just play a little different when you you know you've already made the playoffs. You know you don't have to, have to, have to win. And San Jose is one of these teams that, uh, you know, they play much better when they're the underdogs. And uh, I just I just really, uh, you know, a little worried about that one because cause Chicago really needs the points. I mean, Chicago's in a real tight... Eastern Conference, and um, they really need the points. So that's actually going to be a pretty tough game. I'm real curious to see how that one will, will, will wear out. Uh, New England um, is the only other team, I think, in the East that can actually qualify for the playoffs um, You know, soon. I mean, the other teams are, are going to have to... It's going to be down to the wire to see who actually qualifies because they're just so close together. Um, I'm talking about D.C. and Chicago and, and Kansas City. Um, possibly Metro Stars if they can. They're only three points behind uh, uh, KC, so possibly they could catch up. But um, anyway, the Revolution uh, go to the crew, go to Columbus and play against the crew. And I'm going to predict right now that Revolution will win that game and qualify for the playoffs in the process. So... 
could be uh, could be a very interesting interesting week with these matches. Uh, Dallas and LA meet, and that's kind of a preview of the uh, open of the Open Cup uh, final, which uh, both have qualified for, and which is going to be played at the Home Depot Center. And I don't know how LA wrangled that, but. That probably means that LA will win. And then we've got kind of a real boring game of Colorado Real. Gee, two real exciting teams that are, you know, neither one deserves to make the playoffs, although Colorado will simply because of the way the playoff structure is in MLS. So that gives us a little bit of a preview of what's coming up later this week. And uh, so I'm kind of looking forward to some of those games, especially the San Jose one. I think that'll be a, a good one to watch. Um, Anyway, I want to also talk a little bit about the uh, USA national team. Um, since I didn't broadcast prior to this recording, uh, this this episode, um, we want to talk a little bit about um, you know what happened recently. Obviously, if you're paying any attention at all, U.S. national team beat Mexico 2-0. They're in the World Cup. Um, that was on a Saturday. The following Wednesday, they played this nil-nil draw against Guatemala. And that's kind of what I'd like to talk about, because it's sort of like, what is the point of these, you know, we have these qualification games that are left, there's still two or, what, two or three of them left, and, you know, we've already qualified, so they don't really matter that much. There's a little bit of an advantage you get for the seeding aspect if you finish first in your group, but it's not really anything to write home about. Um, the big question is, you know, we put out a B team against against Guatemala. I mean, it was like 11 new starters, you know, to, to, to versus the, the, the team that faced Mexico on the Saturday. And uh, they really didn't, I, I didn't think that they, I think the big problem was they didn't play, they didn't play very well, obviously, but they really played like they'd never played together. And I'm not sure why that was. I don't know if they didn't do any training together. I don't know exactly what the what the story was there. But to me, that was kind of a a bit of a problem um, for um, Coach Bruce Arena. I'm not sure exactly what what he was doing there and, and, and what the purpose was. Um, yeah, he probably got some feedback from that. It was not a terrible result for the United States. I mean, nil-nil draw. You know, it's a draw. I was really surprised that Guatemala didn't really try to try to take the United States. Um, they didn't really seem to be that aggressive. It wasn't like the United States was really, you know, desperately defending that much. I mean, they had a few good chances, and and uh, Marcus Hahnemann, who was probably man of the match, had, you know, at least one really great save on a, on a, on a chance by Guatemala. But overall, it was kind of mediocre on their part, and uh, it was kind of a disappointing game. But the biggest thing was, I mean, we just had, we had Eddie Johnson, Missed like one or two, you know, point blank chances. He had an open header and he hit it wide. He had another chance that he, you know, muffed on. And Taylor Twellman had like two or three of those and just was not playing. He just seemed to be a little bit off in his game. And then he goes and scores a hat trick the following weekend for for the for New England. You know, so it wasn't like you know if MLS is just you know that much lower in quality that he was able to you know score a hat trick or if he just finally got his act together or exactly or if he was just you know fired up because he had had a, a frustrating uh, national team experience or I think Twelman would do better um kind of an Eric Winalda fan when Eric Winalda was saying you know he really likes to see Twelman and Landon together and I would really like to see that combination too I think they've they've never really played together that much we saw him briefly at the all-star game but I really also think that that's a great thing because I think Twelman's a kind of player if he gets good service and Landon gives the best service believe me um if if he gets good service he's gonna just 
be he's just going to finish i mean that's just what he does and uh i mean the two best finishers i think the united states has i think it's twelman and and uh and landon i mean so many of the other players they can't really score a goal you know they they'll, they'll, they might try but a lot of them are afraid to even take a shot it seems like um topic for another day but um i think that's an interesting interesting thing i really want to see twelman get some more chances but i'd like to see him do it with some more support because if you just put twelman out there and you've got him supported by a bunch of you know b-level usa players that can't um, can't get him the ball and get him the service that he needs, the quality balls and quality service, he's not going to produce. And then, it, oh, well, Twelman's just not very good at the national team level. And I think that's that's totally false. I think if you put him up there with a Landon Donovan, you put him up there with, you know, the the regular as part of the regular team, I think he would excel. But he, the chances that he gets are almost always with the B team. And, uh, and you know, I am looking forward to seeing some of the less likely uh you know players like say ricardo clark for example that plays for san jose um you know get chances uh, on the national team and, and that could happen because you know we've got these qualifiers we've already qualified and we've got these these games and bruce is going to be looking at a lot of players so it's going to be some real interesting things to, to see who he picks for some of these teams so we'll talk about that more when we get closer to those games and and see what the result is but I think that's going to wrap it up for this week, and uh, hope to have you back next week, and hope you enjoyed the show. I want to hear feedback from you. I want you to tell me uh, what you like or don't like about the show. You can contact me at Mark, that's M-A-R-C, at SoccerTalkUSA.com, and uh, send me your emails, send me your you know rants and raves goods, bad screws. I'm completely open to anything. This is a brand new show. I don't know where I'm going with it exactly. I just want to have some, you know, a forum where I can talk about soccer and, uh, you know, I just, but I want it to be your show too. If you're, if you're listening to this and you're interested in this, tell me what you want to hear me talk about. Tell me what you want to discuss. You know, um, right now I'm thinking it's just me talking, but possibly in the future we could do things where we've got, you know, some not necessarily live callers because it's a pre-recorded show, but we could have, uh, uh, you know, some some interviews and things like that, and and, and do some things, um, some caller, you know, caller recordings or something like that. Um, I'm open to a lot of stuff. I just kind of would like to 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 set this up and and see where it goes, see what the interest is. So uh, send me feedback, Mark at SoccerTalkUSA.com, and love to hear from your emails. Uh, send your emails in and let me know what you think. And, you know, we're going to move ahead with this. And I'm not sure if all the shows will be this length. We'll just have to see what happens with things and uh, how it goes. Watch for our next show uh, following next Monday, the 26th of September, and download that. Talk to you later. Bye bye.